Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, it's, it's, it's holiday season now, so... Um... If you're trying to, even if you post Thanksgiving, Black Friday shopping, bro, like going out grocery shopping is one of the worst chores that you can ever do. If you if you want to piss off a man, ladies out there, if you want to piss off your man, send him grocery shopping, man, because it, 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 was, it was it's brutal, man. Like I was ready to give up on like, like I should have just we were talking off air, bro, but I should have just did what you did and then just ordered fast food and just lived the fight another day with the grocery shopping. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with getting fast food, man. I told you, you should have got Wendy's or you should have got Burger King or, you know, ordered a Domino's pizza or something instead of going grocery shopping and dealing with all those mad, mad people. Yeah, I, I see, but that's the, that's the thing, though. So, for the last week and a half, and the one time that I try to be responsible. I was like, nah, man, I ain't doing this no more. Wendy's do sound good, man. They came out with the new pretzel baconator. Yeah, I saw that. You know what? You know what? I think I might do that tonight after we get done with the show. So I, I think yeah. I might just do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had I had a baconator and fries myself and a and a and a Dr. Pepper. It do you do a good. double baconator or do you do a single or du- triple? Come on, man. I'm I'm a man. Give me a, a double. <laughs> I need to have at least a double baconator. I swear to God, bro, I did not even know that they did single, double, or triple until they asked me. I've always just thought it was double. <laughs> and yeah. then I realized well, that it was a single version, too. Well, and you know, you know, if you go to Arby's, they have uh, the monster roast beef. You know, you can actually order. I'm like, I'm telling you, man, that it's packed with roast beef. And you could probably make two or three sandwiches out of that bad boy. You know, I ain't had Arby's in, I don't think, years, but shoot. <laughs> Little beef, little beef kind of looks a little weird. They look like some like some Achilles. You know what? Oh, speaking of Achilles, bro, let's <laughs> gotta talk about briefly this Aaron Rodgers, this Aaron Rodgers stuff. Yeah. He is now back at practice with the yeah. after tearing his Achilles, man. That dude is a cyborg. You know, I wouldn't. I would, if I was him, I wouldn't chance it. I'd, I'd be like, you know what? I'm gonna take the rest of the season off. You know, he can do his own private workouts and you know whatever. But my whole fear of Aaron Rodgers coming off of coming off of that uh, Achilles tear is, you know, you go, you know how you, when you when you you pull the 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 turkey drumstick off the the turkey and it just yes, kind of like yes, meat that's, just that's what I mean flings <laughs> everywhere. That's what's going to happen, to Aaron Rodgers. The first time he goes that's out the field I mean. in twenty one days. Oh my gosh, bro! You just said that, man. I just saw a video <laughs> on YouTube or I think Twitter, or whatever, or X, however you want to call Twitter these days, that somebody pulled up a nice hot steaming, freshly cooked turkey leg, and then the meat just fell off, and then they even tied it at Aaron Rodgers' Achilles. It was so funny to me, but it was like, but I'm here for it though. I'm here for the storyline because I ain't never seen nobody come back from that injury so soon. This will be the bro. best storyline. From a, a quarterback injury since Philip Rivers played on a torn ACL in the AFC Championship game back in 07. Right. That was some, I, that was some crazy stuff. 
if I was him, because I'm 47 years old tomorrow, mm-hmm. by the way. I ain't, if I tore my Achilles tendon and if I was still in the shape that Aaron Rodgers is in today, and he, I know he's only what 39, 38, 39 years old. Dude, I would not be going out there. Years. Exactly. I wouldn't be going out there to chance it. No, no way. I'm no, like, you know what? Sorry, so guys. Either. I'm gonna wait till next year. Yeah, I'm here for the story. Unfortunately for the Bengals, our story kind of ended when Joe Burrow's season went down. I mean, he, I did hear that successful surgery has happened. We've already yes. announced that this past Monday. We'll get into a little bit more of that. But first and foremost, thank you for hanging out with us. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us on another edition of the Running Through the Jungle episode. Uh, We're previewing the Jaguars today because we have a nice little Monday night uniform matchup with our White Tiger going against their blackout Jags outfit. I'm your host, Justin Lacey, joining you with Tim Lyons as well. Um, Brandon, he is not able to join us today, but we're going to rock the house with just the two of us. How are you feeling, Tim? Good. Doing good. Uh, Today's Wednesday. Tomorrow's my birthday. I got my, my wife's making me my special because we already talking about food. Somehow I'll just keep talking about food. <laughs> She's making me my favorite meal of all time is her homemade meatloaf. Uh, she bought me a uh, cheesecake to have along with dessert for my birthday. So oh. I'm excited for tomorrow's birthday dinner. It's going to be yummy. That is going. First of all, happy early birthday, man. I know we're a day Thank early you. in that, but never can't be too early to celebrate your birthday, man. Of our co- one of our co-host partners in the show. Cheesecake sounds delicious, bro. I <laughs> that is one of my favorite cakes. Yeah. I got my top three. I got red velvet cake, cheesecake, and German chocolate cake. A lot of people don't like German chocolate cake, but those are my best three cakes in the world. Um, you can never go wrong with those on a given any given day for me personally. And meatloaf. Yeah, that 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 sounds clutch. So your wife is mm-hmm. doing you proud, man. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is is like I don't like cake cake. I like just cheesecake, pumpkin pie. You yeah. know, I like that kind of stuff. I'm not a big cake fan, but uh, yeah, she's she's doing it up for me. She asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and that was what I wanted. And I cannot wait. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be a happy fat guy. <laughs> and it's it's the perfect time. Your birthday falls right in the perfect time. It's fresh out for Thanksgiving. You know, yep. it going into the Christmas holiday season. Mm-hmm. You, you, everybody's working hard on putting their Christmas trees and their decorations up, which I'm all for that now. People that don't know me all too well, I will share this little bit of nugget about myself, and it might turn some people off. I don't really care. I'm not a fan of people that put their Christmas trees up immediately after Halloween is over. You just disrespect Thanksgiving, and that's not something that I, I particularly enjoy. I'm always seeing people <laughs> talking about, like, oh, my gosh, it's, look at my Christmas tree, and it's only November 3rd. Okay, like, can we at least have Thanksgiving first? However, 
there is a compromise that I have came to conclusion of understanding is that if you put your Christmas tree, especially if you live in a big house, you have multiple trees everywhere. First, first of all, what are you in a forest? Um, I don't know why you have that many trees, <laughs> like one, maybe two at max. You know, that should be the most that you should have up in one household. But if you put your Christmas tree up and you don't decorate it until after Thanksgiving, that is acceptable to me. You know, that I feel like that is not disrespect Thanksgiving enough. So, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I don't know if you, you feel know, the same way, but that's how I feel. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. I live with Mrs. Christmas. She loves Christmas. I ain't, you know, yeah, there's times where she puts up that Christmas tree way too early. But you know what? If it makes her heart grow 10 times bigger, I'm not going to stop her. I will just say, yes, honey, I'll go get the tree. Yes, ma'am. Look, it's always great being in a holiday spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm as jolly as they come during Christmas time. But I also another thing I have to uh, agree with when it comes to understanding when you decorate the house early. If you one of those households that got like a thousand Christmas lights all over the place, that stuff's gonna take time. So I get it. <laughs> I, I really do get it. But for for most average Joes that just throw a few things up here and there, not gonna take them longer than like two hours of your day. Just wait until after Thanksgiving is done. But again, it's your life. You do what you want to do. I'm sure a lot of people that hear me say this think that I'm bitter and I'm just a hater and I'm not. I love Christmas just like anybody else. This is my favorite time of the year. It's mostly anybody that celebrates Christmas favorite time of the year. I just like to also respect Thanksgiving, even though I can we agree. have yet to talk a little bit about football. So, but let's go ahead and get into it, man. We got. We got to get into, you know, what's the state of the team is so far right now. Um, this past Monday, Zach Taylor and the team have given a statement that Joe Burrow has successfully um, had surgery on his wrist, on his throwing hand. And, you know, he's going to make a he is expecting to make a full recovery and to join the team as we prepare for our game for Jacksonville. Not join the team as if obviously playing, but he's going to be with the team to sort of just to be a be a presence in the locker room still. Um personally, I'm I'm happy that Joe was I'm happy that Joe was able to get the surgery done. A part of me wanted him to get that surgery done a little bit sooner because yeah. I felt how hope that he was going to come back at some point during late in the season. You know, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. Once we lost that game against the Steelers, it, it felt like that that was the thing that kicked the, the hope wind out of me. And now I'm just watching the game just to watch them. I don't know. How do you feel about this? You know, like I said on Monday when we recorded our recap, our roaring reactions, you know, I, I am just going to go into these games as it is what it is and enjoy watching our Bengals play and kind of see what what is there to come for next year. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't want us to tank. There, you know, that tanking is just – it's so uh, it's, it's loser's it's mentality, cheap. ain't it? Yeah, yeah, it's real cheap. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want us to tank. I want us to, you know, and they're going to go out there. They're professionals. They're going to go out there. They're going to give one hundred and ten percent, win or lose. I'm still a Cincinnati Bengals fan. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what's going to come for our defense, and you know, what's going to come for our offense in in time to come. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. 
I'm not on that train where we need to just tank and then we're looking forward to mock draft season and, oh, well, the Bengals may have a top 10 pick. You can miss me with all of that right now. That's right. loser's mentality thinking. That I, I don't want to be in that bucket, man. I only did that two times. The first time was the obvious time of what we know, that 2019, that 2019 season, Andy Dalton's final year was going absolutely nowhere, and we had no hope. We needed a shot in hell to see what our future can be. And right. then that game that against the Miami Dolphins, where it went to overtime, we thought like, we really about to win this game when we want this team to lose. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was the game that was going to secure us the number one overall draft pick. Because if we would have won that game, and we even though we still had to beat the Cleveland Browns or lose against the Cleveland Browns the following week, we would have lost out on the number one pick, and it would have went to Washington. They would have taken Joe Burrow. Regardless, right. they all ended up working out in itself. But that was really the only time that I wanted us to truly tank when it was super late in the season. But I still remember the team itself, even that year, didn't tank. They they didn't, like, actively tank. They didn't sell off no. any parts. They didn't trade guys for draft picks or anything like that. First of all, nobody had really any trade value that season. And it was just – they were just naturally bad, just flat-out bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so I, think, I don't think they I were think actively that year, I think that year – I think we lost, like – man, I want to say it was, like, almost 10 games by, like – points we lost the games by you know there was just we were losing games by points you know it was it was a a slobber knockers every single time we were getting beat and you know yeah there were some games that we got you know molly whopped but now i believe i believe in 2019 is when we were like just winning you know just losing the games by like points and field goals and stuff like that if i'm not mistaken i remember i remember so the Bengals started 0 and 11 before zach taylor's got his first win against the jets Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton had got benched. Everybody remembers he got benched on his birthday, but it, people was all up in arms about Andy getting benched that time on his birthday, sadly. And I feel for him, but the dude was 0-8. His last game was against uh, the Rams in London, and he played like absolute dog trash. I didn't want him no more as my starting quarterback, and we all knew that the writing was on the wall for Andy Dalton after week four of that season. We went on the road to Pittsburgh playing a Ben Roethlisberger-less Steelers team that had mm-hmm. half a roster filled with injuries. I think it was Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph, whatever the case. I think it was Mason Rudolph that doing that first one. Had no energy at all against that team, and you only scored nothing but three points. And they didn't yeah. even look good that season either. But, like, they showed no active energy. Pittsburgh did in their own house. I don't remember what the score was, but it was lopsided. And at that point, we had Andy Dalton. We had our starting quarterback. A.J. Green missed that whole season. But at, I think at that point, that told me, like, all right, I'm done. Now I, I, I want to move on. That was that was where I knew from my deep down in my bottom of my heart after trying to root for Andy throughout all of this, all those years, I knew that we had to move on and that I'm okay to just – Let's just figure out what our next quarterback is going to be, and it happened. Right. Then the second, then the second time was the year after that. Joe Burrow got hurt, but that wasn't an mm-hmm. active tank job. Joe Burrow inherited a bad team, but that was one that led us to getting Jamar Chase at the number fifth overall pick in twenty twenty one. As we already know, succumb to the Chase debate versus Sewell. Which one are you going to fall on the side of the defense of? But the beautiful thing about that is even if you were team Panay Sewell during that pick, you weren't necessarily wrong. 
it's just Chase offered a more explosive element that would help you win games and more at a higher level than Panay Sewell would. Panay Sewell's doing great. I, I love what he's doing in the league. But Jamar yeah. Chase pairing him up with Joe Burrow's skill set was just going to be awesome. And it came to a blessing in disguise. Unfortunately, it had to cost Joe Burrow getting his knee torn up. Uh, and we didn't like seeing that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had that number fifth overall pick because Burrow would have rattled off several more wins. And who knows, man, we probably could have been in position to get the last wild card spot. But that's here. That's neither here nor there. That was his rookie year. We had a lot of growing pains that go through that season. But this year, it's not a tank job. It's just not. And I understand the popular opinion on social media is that, hey, if you lose your starting quarterback, well, if you lose all these games, you'll get yourself in a better draft position pick. Man, you got to stop a lot of that, man. To all those fans that's thinking about that, look at last year when the Ravens had – actually the last two years when the Ravens lost Lamar Jackson due to a knee and an ankle injury that set them back several games in back-to-back years. Dude, now they finished fourth place during the first time in 21. Eight and nine mm-hmm. was their record. And then last year, as we know, we played them in the first round of playoffs playing Tyrod Taylor. I'm not Tyrod Taylor, Tyler Huntley. Um, and but but yet the the Ravens and John Harbaugh were still able to coach his team and will the team to a postseason appearance. They didn't do any kind of tank job, and that didn't yield them a top 10 draft pick by any means. And look where they at now, you know. I got to give respect to where respect is due and give credit to where credit is due because the coaching matters here. I don't think our coaching is playing up to par when it comes down to it. How do you feel? I mean, I I need to hear your thoughts before I continue. You know, there, this time of the year with what's going on with the Bengals, you know, Joe's on the IR because of his wrist and he had surgery and all that stuff. So we know, you know, Jake Browning is on the hot seat. Um, but it also gives us the opportunity to see what a, those younger guys are going to be doing. You know, uh, Yoshi and Charlie Jones and Chase Brown. You know, we're going to be able to see. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll see the younger guys on the field a little bit more. Get, see what Murphy's going to end up doing. Um, you know, of course, we already seen what Turner and uh, CTB's uh, going to be. You know, what they've been doing this year. Um, Jordan Battle's going to be seeing more time on the field. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think, I think down the road we're set up for success for defense, you know, for the defensive side of the ball, my questions and concern right now. And I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks after Joe got hurt. So for the last two weeks now, well, almost two weeks, my question is, is coaching is my question right now. You know, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying do not twist my words do not think i'm i'm thinking oh fire zach taylor fire lou no or fire brian callahan i'm not absolutely saying that right now is they are under the microscope of questionable play calling who's calling the offense who's calling the defense my biggest concern is frank pollock the offensive line and running game coach you know I, as you guys all know, whoever listens to this podcast, I am a big run the ball guy, run the damn ball. Mike, that's what's questionable for me right now is the coaching, you know, what's going on with the offensive line side, the running back side, quarterback coaches. Um, and then, of course, the defense, you know, Lou is Lou. You know, I love Lou. Lou's a mad, mad scientist. And I am not going to blame 
Lou and the defense for losing that game against the Steelers because, like I said on Monday, when you're on the field for 37 minutes, what do you expect's going to happen? It's not going it, to – a defense, no matter how good they are, you could have the best defense out there. If you have them out there on the field for 37 freaking minutes, what do you think's going to happen? They're going to start making mistakes. They're going to start, you know, getting blown in coverage. Yeah, sometimes the Lou, you know, uh, you know, let's blitz everybody on, on this God's green country kind of bites us in the butt. But the, the guys are tired. They're, they're, they're going to be tired. They're going to, we're going to be continue to be tired. If our offense is only on the field for 22 minutes in a game, let's expect the worst to happen on defense. You know, we got some tough games coming up. We have the Jags on Monday Night Football. Um, we have the Colts still, or I'm sorry, the Colts to play, the Steelers to play again, the Browns to play again, and the Chiefs to play. And I know there's somebody else I'm missing too, I think. Vikings. Vikings, yes. So, you know, we, we got some teams coming along. You know, the Vikings, I ain't putting those guys aside. You know, they got the mad mad rocket scientist over there. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we got yeah. the Steelers again, you know. So those are my, those are my concerns. And I'm not going to say, like I said, I'm not going to say we need to fire this person, that person. No, we need to really look at them with a fine-tooth comb and microscope of how play calling is done, what's going on in Paycor right now while they're not on the field. You know, I got a lot that I want to touch on based off of everything that you said there. That's actually going to lead us to our keys to the game of discussing when we're going into this matchup. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'm going to double down and I'm going to talk to you about your our stance with the coaching staff and how we're evaluating uh, this team moving forward, as well as we're going to get into the nucleus of this matchup. So hang right with us, guys. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Thank you so much again for joining us here. Um, so where we left off was, you know, we're talking about you were talking about evaluating the coaching staff with the fine tooth comb. And I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Zach Taylor. I do. I am not on the train of firing Zach Taylor at all. This dude has been a part of helping us get to a certain level of respectability, not just respectability of being decent. No, we're winning at a high level. We're winning big-time games at a high level. And Zach Taylor has something to do with that, whether if you guys believe in him as a head coach or not. So I'm not on that train with hiring, with firing Zach Taylor. I just won't be on that. Um, it could be worse. See the L.A. Chargers. Um, <laughs> but what I am going to do, and this is very popular among Bengaldom and Bengal world, is question of play calling duties. Is it time? that we he finally gives up the play calling aspect moving on after this season. And not only just play calling, is it time to look for a new offensive coordinator? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I heard the transcripts of Brian Callahan's speech, his you know, his his interview, his press conference, whatever you want to call it this week. I'm not impressed with what he had to say at all. 
Um, again, I didn't hear the full dialogue. I just heard a few things in pockets, you know, of, of things that was being said. But it felt like it was a lot of excuse making. And it also felt like just because we were playing Pittsburgh, we it felt like we gave them way too much respect instead of playing our football game, too. Uh, I don't think you've noticed this, guys, on the offensive staff, but the Bengals are set up to play bully ball, too. You can mm-hmm. run down Pittsburgh's throat, too. I don't care how how great their defense is. I do not respect Terrell Austin as their defensive coordinator at all. That defense goes, lives and breathes through J.J. I'm sorry, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. They didn't even have Minka Fitzpatrick that game. So that was purely unacceptable that we really couldn't get the ball moving at a higher rate than we did. Now, I do not put the blame on Jake Brown in too much, even though I did kind of rip him a little bit during our reaction show. But what I did do was I did rip the defense quite a bit because my next point is this is where we're going to have a little bit of a disagreement on. We might agree a little bit, but might disagree. It's time to evaluate and Arumo, I love him as a defensive coordinator. But I think that his defense is getting to the point where I maybe it's got to the it's got to that point where t- enough teams have figured him out and put enough film on tape how to stop it or how to beat it that you let in guys like Kenny Pickett. And I know Kenny Pickett was under a lot of fire this past week leading up to our game against him. You know, they were throwing ducks all over the field. Their offense was atrocious. They still didn't really perform that impressive. But I don't think that was subdued because of our defense. I think that was subdued because how bad their offense still was, and they couldn't really get any touchdowns, even though they put up all those yards. The bend but don't break method is starting to catch up to them, and teams are starting to surpass that mythology to where they know that we're going to make that key stop, and they're still able to overcome it. Now you got to figure out is Lou Anna, if Lou Anarumo is the kind of guy that can help adjust. It is very damning that we have not won a game in the AFC North at all. It's very that, – that just think about that. We had pretty good games against high-quality teams like the San Francisco 49ers. I know the Bills are being shaky right now of how their season's progressing, but when the Bills came to how our jungle on Sunday Night Football, we put them to the bed. We put their ass to bed. Same thing right. with the Seattle Seahawks. You know, even though the Seattle had, I mean, our office had struggled and stymied a little bit there. We were we were making we were making we were cooking with fisheries during those games. It felt like, and I think that was our offense and Joe Burrow leading the charge for those games. Our defense yeah. was playing along and playing that bend but don't break defense, but they weren't dominant. They weren't like full blown dominant and in your face. You know, Trey Henderson, he did get a couple of strip sacks and stuff, not in this past game, but during the stress when we had our four-game winning streak where he's a closer, he's a finisher. But it just doesn't feel – I don't feel like the defense takes over in the critical elements like you want them to. Pittsburgh's defense does. That's how they gotten all those wins. So now the question to me is starting to feel like, is this defense starting to show his Achilles heel way too much this season? And if Lou Anarumo – I'm not saying that he needs to be gone, but if Lou, is Lou Anarumo the guy that can help right the ship to get it back to where it gets? Your thoughts? You know, I honestly don't think Lou's going to be with us next year. I think he's going to end up going to be a head coach somewhere, you know, believe it or not. Um, but I don't think so either. If, you know, but if there is a chance that we keep our, you know, keep Lou in Cincinnati, 
I think Lou is the type of person because you've seen him come out in, in you know the defense will come out in the first half and you know we're like where's our defense at, and then the second half they come out and just shut you know for example when we're playing against Kansas City and the Bills and stuff you know they come out and they shut them down that second half, so I can say that I do have faith in Lou that he can make that adjustment and yeah you know the bend don't break thing it's not going to work for a whole, you know, 60 minutes. It's not going to work. You know, eventually you're going to let, you know, costly plays happen. You know, and our biggest weakness right now is the middle of the field, believe it or not. You know, I don't believe. Tight ends. And don't, and don't get me wrong. Don't, don't anybody take this the wrong way. I don't think Jermaine Pratt is playing up to his potential right now. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing Logan Wilson playing well. You know, yes, tight end situations. We can't, for some reason, we cannot guard a damn tight end to save our lives right now, which doesn't make any sense, but that's because of play calling and personnel. You know, they're not putting the right personnel on, or they're not even covering. They're playing zones or, you know, whatever. If you play a zone, you're going you're gonna to leave an opening between the linebacker and the safety and right in the middle of the scene, there goes the tight end. He's wide open. Yeah, you know, I feel so, like they haven't really figured. I, I feel like that they, and this has been a, a, a whole season long problem. This is even with Joe Burrow being healthy. They haven't mm-hmm. figured out how to cover the middle of the field on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, to specifically the tight ends. It was yeah. just outlandishly annoying seeing Pat Fryer move, catch those down ball, the down the scene middle of the field balls by Kenny yep. Pickett. Some of them are really good throws, and you got to tip your cap to them on the good throws. But for the most part, the dude was just left wide open. It's like, come, uh, how how long is this going to keep on going? It's almost like when you play the Bengals, the safest bet that you need to make if you want to make some money, whoever the tight end is for that particular team, uh, bet the over in the receiving yards because that seems to be the trend for when you play the Bengals on on mm-hmm. offense going against our defense. But – you know, that's a lot of that is going to be evaluated regarding our coaching staff as we continue the, these remaining six games. However, Jacksonville's on deck. So, yeah, they're a team that feels a lot like how we were in last year. They're 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 in that seat. They just finished their 21 seat. Oh, I'm sorry, the 2022 season of winning the playoff game. They fell out, fell short against a, a, a wounded Patrick Mahomes in the division around. I feel like that they're during that time that. They'll be okay. They just—they're not. They weren't ready to see the big brothers yet. They weren't ready to be the big dogs. Um, they got to grow up a little bit. Their defense, the team—they got feisty players on that side of the ball, mm-hmm. but they didn't have enough dogs to make a continued run down the stretch. Even though I know many Bagels fans, when they saw Mahomes got hobbled and Jacksonville had an opportunity to win the game, that we were rooting for Jacksonville. But personally, yeah. I, I, I just knew that that wasn't going to happen. Like. Kansas City is yeah. too much of a, a big dog on the on the big stage in the playoffs for Jacksonville to pull off that upset. I like what they're doing. This year, I know Trevor Lawrence's stats was kind of hit or miss it a little bit, but he's taking that next step, man. He's he's become one of the elite quarterbacks in the game. Um, you know, I haven't given my updated top 10 ranking after this particular week, but Trevor Lawrence is no question up there. Um he has done a great job commanding the team, uh, bringing them a part of their presence to show that, hey, I'm the guy that's going to help us get to where we need to go. A lot like how we have with Joe Burrow. Do I put him above Joe Burrow? 
not really. No, <laughs> he's not. He hasn't earned that yet. So, but I think the world of Trevor Lawrence, and that's going, that's saying a lot. You know, I think that he's earned it. I mean, again, he's won a division last season, even though you can think too that thanks, thank the collapse job by the Tennessee Titans is the reason why they yeah. end up getting that. But they also still capitalized and won a playoff game by coming back down 27 to 7 at halftime to the LA Chargers, who, I mean, we're not going to talk going to that. But this season, you know, again, they had a little bit of hiccups early on. You know, they lost a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. They could have won 17 to 9, I believe, was the score. They didn't really look good offensively at all. Um, the defense is okay, but not the team just didn't look good. But that was so early on in the season, I believe it was week two, that they didn't grow together yet. It was just a little ugly start. Um, they yeah. also got beat up by the C.J. Stroud Texans um, early in the season. They they lost that first matchup. But then you mm -hmm. saw them right the ship and started rallying off these wins, these bigger wins against more dominant teams because they, becoming, they are becoming a dominant team. Beating the Bills in London, beating the Steelers, even though the Steelers are not a dominant team, but their record indicates that they're a winning team, so you got to give them credit. They go into mm -hmm. Heinz Field. I'm sorry, Akershire Stadium. They beat the Steelers at their own game, and Trevor Lawrence plays yep. a great game. They just beat C.J. Stroud in the Houston Texans in, the, in round yep. two. It, it took a missed field goal for them to happen, but at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence still was able to outplay C.J. Stroud, and that was a fun game to kind of, like, pay attention to on the side. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that Jacksonville has definitely been trending in the right direction for a while now, and – it's going to be a tough sledding game. It was going to be a tough game even with Joe Burrow. This was a game that I truly predicted that we were – this should have been our loss, you know, if Burrow yeah. didn't get hurt and he didn't lose against the Texans. But then he lost against Houston and then obviously got hurt against Baltimore. We ain't going to continue talking about that. But this Jacksonville team is tough, man. Trayvon Walker is started, starting to develop on his own as a guy that can consistently rush the passer and be a closer for that team. I love what mm -hmm. I'm seeing from him. Their receiving core is deep. Christian Kirk has developed really well. They're, they got a great tight end in Evan Ingram. Like we mm -hmm. we can't not pay attention to that. You know, Travis Etienne runs the ball like crazy hell. I wish the Bengals can cop, copy and paste their running attack with Joe Mixon and others like they're doing with Travis Etienne. And I think they got mm -hmm. Tank Bisbee, too, if I'm not mistaken. But I think the world of this Jacksonville Jaguars team, the team that I've been watching on the side, just kind of bubbling up to the surface of one of the AFC supremacy teams. And while I don't put them as the best team in the conference right there at all, at least they're, I think they're number four or three, give or take, if you were to do the three. AFC power rankings. I'd say three. I think that this team, this team can, how they're playing right now, this team can go toe to toe by beating Baltimore. They can beat Kansas City, and they can beat the Miami Dolphins. They can beat anybody, really. You mm -hmm. know, the mm -hmm. only team that I felt like that they couldn't beat when it, the chips are down and it mattered the most was Cincinnati. If we were at full strength and playing our best ball, but we're not. So, um, I, I've already talked enough about it. So, let's hear you, Tim. Let's talk about keys to the game. What do you think that our keys to the game is if we were to try to pull off an upset here? You know, I'm just hoping that it's not a repeat of last week where, you know, we give up on the run game, um, put too much um, pressure on Jake Browning, you know, to throw the football. You know, we can't let him go out there and throw for 30, you know, 30, 40 times. It just can't happen. So 
the key to victory that I'm seeing is this is run the damn football, open up the pass play action game, you know, give Jake some, you know, some time in the pocket, um, in our defense, you know, not be out there for 30 minutes. You know, well, I'm sorry, 37 minutes this week. Um, that's going to be the biggest key to our, our, our win there. Um, it's going to be hard because, you know, you're coming out there, and I know I'm going into my concern of the game, but I might as well do it because I'm pretty short-handed sure, or short-witted. Yeah. Go ahead. My biggest concern is, is and when I say, you know, we got to run the ball and mix it up and get those play actions open is because Jacksonville's got a hell of a rush or a, a pass defense. You know, Josh Allen's got 14 sacks right now. I forgot, to, I Trayvon, forgot Josh Allen. I didn't even mention yeah. Josh Allen. Yeah, but yeah. go ahead. Sorry, continue. Trayvon Walker's got 4.5 sacks right now. When when the Jacksonville Jaguars get at least one sack a game, they're 6-0. and oh. So my concern is, like I said, that, that pass defense is my biggest concern because, you know, we got Jake Browning back there in our $44 million offensive line right now is not blocking the best and protecting Jake. You know, um, so, you know, there is that concern, you know, and then you also look at Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence threw for 300 and, you know, 364 yards last week, a couple touchdowns and, and a accidental pick that shouldn't have been a pick. Um, they got Calvin Ridley, you know, they've got Kirk, you know, you, then of course our biggest concern is tight ends, tight end, you know, if Evan Ingram, because Evan Ingram, he's a bad boy. He's fast, and and if he runs up the seam on us, we could be in some big trouble. And then, of course, our biggest Achilles heel of them all is our rush defense. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta stop Etn. Etn, like Brandon said on Monday, he could run for two hundred yards on us easy. If 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 our defense is on that field for too long, that could be a major concern for us. You know, but. I'm hoping that the Bengals, you know, mix it up, show some different, different, uh, different views of of the run game, the pass game, instead of coming out there in shotgun formation and thinking Jake Browning is 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 uh, Joe Burrow. Jake is not Joe. He will never be Joe. There is no other Joe in this NFL besides Joe freaking Burrow. Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. Unfortunately for us, you know, we ran into this situation again this year. We lost Joe for the rest of the year. So that being said, the the coaches are going to have to come up with some different kind of play calling, some different kind of, you know, for uh, motion plays, putting uh, Jamar Chase in the slot. You know, maybe let uh, Chase Brown go out there and run the ball too besides just Joe Mixon. So – you know, those are my concerns, and that's my key. My key to victory is, you know, it, you know, that's what it is. And hopefully, we see a, a different uh, Bengals game or Bengals team out there on Monday. They are they are all in white. We have a pretty good win record, all in white. So let's keep that going. Well, we also had a pretty good win record if we were in orange jerseys and black pants, like we played in that uniform combo last week. And you saw how that played out. So I'm not. I know. I'm sorry. I, I I'm not going to put too much stock into the white helmet, white uniform. Um, it's going to be a dope ass uniform combo matchup. You know, they're Beautiful. going with the they're going with the blackout, and we're going with the white tiger. So that's going to be a nice uniform combo matchup for me. 
I'm just going to just keep it 100. It's the wrong opponent at the wrong time. Um, I said this about when the Buffalo Bills played the Bengals that for them they it, they had to come and see us. It was the wrong opponent at the wrong time for them, and I didn't see not one iota how they was going to be able to beat the team that we were we were playing some pretty hot damn football um, at that time. Jacksonville is it's I feel the complete opposite in about the Bengals this time around going into Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they're looking at it as, dude, we better be able to pluck this carrot off the off out the ground like it's nothing and eat it. And because it's it, we gotta capitalize on these opportunities. That's what Jacksonville's thinking right now. And for yeah. for me, I agree with them. I don't mm-hmm. think that Doug Peterson is going to allow them to lay down. And I think that you're going to get some of their best shots. Again, this game is on Monday Night Football. It did not get flexed out, which I'm glad that it didn't get flexed out. But that also then turns the table and making me look at the Bengals coaching staff as my number one key to the game. How are you are going to adjust when you got all of this working against you? You've been on a recipient and the beneficiary end of a number of those games and that locked in your favor before. Now it's going against you. The whole world already wrote you off on this game. Let's just, I mean, I'm me a little bit included, but but you can still win this game. There are always a pathway to lose this. There's always pathways to win games, even if you have no business winning, because it is the NFL. It is any given Sunday. And as I mentioned before, Jacksonville still has to prove that they are indeed the upper echelon tier of the NFL, more specifically the AFC, but the NFL period. And to most people's eyes, they haven't really passed that test as being a part of the elites of the elites in the NFL. And the AFC, yes, but that's because there are teams that kind of fell off due to injuries or whatever you may have it, like our Cincinnati Bengals, that if the Bengals, and they didn't have the injuries that we did have, and I'm not here to try to make injury excuses because it is what it is. If the Bengals didn't have the injury excuses or if the Jets didn't lose Aaron Rodgers week one or if the Bills didn't have the gauntlet of injuries on defense like they did, I'm sorry, but Jacksonville is going to be buried down the depth chart of that AFC roster. Now they have an opportunity to just keep fighting. And I like what they're doing here. For the Bengals, it just follows on the coaching staff for me personally. As you mentioned, and I'm glad you brought it up, please do not game plan this game like you got Joe Burrow at quarterback because that is was second in a watch. I understand you said that our offensive line didn't protect Jake Browning at that well. Uh, I kind of disagree a little bit. I think Jake Browning ran into some sacks because he held the ball way too long. It was his very first start. I get that. But the dude has also been in the league for a number of years now. You're not a rookie, even though you made your first may look like you were a rookie on that day. You got to be aware of how to make quick processing decisions of where you know where your guys are going to be at. Just because you're running, you're not Joe Burrow, you're still running that offense. You should still understand timing and precision and passing and accuracy. He has a good arm. He's pretty good in an intermediate to short game passing game. He's just not really a good deep thrower because he doesn't have the arm strength for that. He has a sneaky athleticism built to him, and I do like that about him. But he's just not Joe. And we know this, and everybody understands this. I do not want to see the Bengals go into this game with eight carries to our running back again with Mm -hmm. Jake running at quarterback. That was disrespectful to Joe Mixon because he was the guy that could have won you that game along with Jamar Chase had you would have game-planned it properly to open up some holes for him to run through 
and get right in the end zone. You know he was going to be excited to play against Pittsburgh, and yet you didn't take advantage of that. This Jacksonville team, again, they're a hungry, young, feisty defense. They have a really good secondary. They get a lot of turnovers, too. As you mentioned, with Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, I completely whiffed and forgot about Josh Allen because he's their best defensive line player. He has 14 and a half sacks on his way to a Pro Bowl nod, by the way. Trayvon Walker is starting to kind of come to his own as the former number one overall pick that they took a year ago. So I think that this Jacksonville team is set up to do some damage to this Bengals defense and offense, yeah. really, respectively. On the defensive side of the ball, particularly, we are expected to get Cam Taylor Britt back. So that means that DJ Turner, he went through some growing pains getting picked on a lot by Kenny Pickett. He he let up a couple of big passes, you know, even the touchdown that he that got ruled incomplete because he got his finger, he got his hand in it, knifed in there at the last second to mm -hmm. jockey it loose as he was going to the ground. I'm gonna be honest with you, that should have been ruled a touchdown. If that was a yeah. bangle, I would have I would have said that hey, bro, he already been had possession, put two feet down to the ground. He just got the ball in there too late when he was already. I that should have been ruled a touchdown. I gotta be fair, okay? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. It played in our favor. We forced it. We forced a field goal hold on him. Those kind of things cannot continue to happen. You can't be getting away with sheer dumb luck all the time. You got to sometimes go out there and make your luck happen. And I think I don't think that everything is going to go well for you. But just because there's a complete total mismatch at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence going against Jake Brown at this time, that don't mean that Jake Brown can't win. Um, Mac Jones beat Justin Fields. I'm sorry. Mac Jones has beaten Justin Herbert. Mac Jones has also beaten Josh Allen before. And both times he was completely outmatched to the talent that he went against on both of their teams. And yet he still was able to pull off a win. That's because coaching matters. I need to see mm -hmm. coaching get better around on defense. If Cam Taylor Briggs is going to come back, he provides the energy and the juice. I think that secondary is going to need also trust the young development of Jordan battle and Dax though, allow them to make plays Lou, you got to put him in the right spot. We call you Lou Dini, right? Okay. I've been saying on this on air a few times and also on Twitter that your defense lately been getting folded like a panini. We got to stop making this a Bimba don't break defense because your defense is literally getting folded. And I don't like this. So, Coach Lou Anarumo, you have to put these guys in better positions. You have a pure athletic safety at in Dax Hill, and he's ready to hit guys. I still think back to that Monday night game when we played the Rams, and my goodness, Dax Hill was just a oh. it was just a beaming light of speed coming off the edge, sacking Matt Stafford, getting pass breakups, just being quick on covering tight ends. He was incredible. But since then, he's disappeared. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's not because of him. It's because he's been put in bad situations because you, you always had Nick Scott opposite of him, who was not good. He hasn't been good all year. Please put them on the bench and just go with the young guys. They're going to grow through their going. They, they got to go through their growing pains. It is what it is. You just got to deal with it for this year. We're evaluating to see what the rest of this team can be moving forward. Because if you do lose out in these games and you don't play none of these young guys, who's to say that it's going to just magically work in your favor going into next year, even when Joe Burrow comes back healthy? It's not. So you got to play your best cards here, and your best cards are your young guys. OK, that's my that's my keys to victory on defense to be able to pull off the upset. These Jaguars receivers, they're going to run wild on you. Believe that. But however, you got enough forces and enough speed on the back end to be able to limit those guys to be able to make big circus catches 
like Marvin Jones Jr. used to do when they was on he was on that team. But Christian yep. Kirk and Calvin Ridley, they're streaking down the field open a lot of the times. When I turn on the film and turn on the tape, I'm just impressed with what I see, how Calvin Ridley still gets open. And on the offensive side of the ball, I'll say this as a final nugget before we wrap up and give our score predictions and our uh, game ball predictions. Trust your big-time guys. Joe Mixon, you got to give him the ball way more than eight times. If you got to implement and throw in Chase Brown and Chris Evans, I don't know why they haven't they haven't done any creativity with the running game. But, yes, I'm going to coin your phrase, run the damn ball better mm-hmm. and more creative and effective. Please, Jake Brown needs that help. And number two, I don't know if T. Higgins is going to be suited enough to play. I think he is. I'm not sure. But the engine to the passing game is Jamar Chase, and you know it's Jamar Chase. So tr- get put the ball in your best player's hands. Be very schematic. I was very disappointed that Jamar ended up the ga- leaving the game with four catches for 81 yards. He could have had another 100-yard game. You should have done more yeah. creative things with Jamar by moving him around in the slot and also in the backfield like you've done before. You didn't do that not at all last week. You, you basically just made him easy to defend. And Jamar is not easy to defend. So let's switch up the game plan a little bit this time. And let's trust our best guys on offense and see what the new guys on defense can grow into. And let's see where it happens. Could it work into an upset? We don't know. I don't believe it could. So as I I end my rant towards there, Tim, I'm going to pass it over to you. What's your score prediction? I think we both know where we're going to go. What's your score prediction for this week 13 game against Jacksonville? Also, game ball predictions, win, losers. That's the thing. Now that we're into this mode of the season, when we give our game ball predictions, it's obviously a, a nice, great talking point of the show. We've been giving them out win, win or lose. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, score yep. prediction and game balls on offense and defense. Well, I'm going to start off with my game balls first. I'm not going to give you my, my, my game prediction yet. Okay. So like I said, if they can run, if they can change what they're doing with the run game and, you know, give us different looks, come out with different disguises, motions and all that stuff. My game ball is going to go to Joe Mixon this week. I think Joe Mixon could possibly have a hundred yard game. I didn't say pass or I didn't say rushing. He could have a total of a hundred yards today, this week. Um, My, Defensive game ball, because he is a workhorse of the secondary, is going to go Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton, he's he's going out there. You know, I think the last couple of weeks he's been getting like eight to ten tackles a game. So I'm going to go with Mike Hilton this week, and I say he's going to get a sack. Now, my game predict my score predictions for the game. And I know this is a Bengals podcast, and I know I'm a diehard Bengals fan. But with the what happened last week against the Steelers, and I'm afraid that you know Zach's going to say, "Oh, you know, let's let's uh, highlight uh, Jake Browning and have him throwing the ball 30 times against the Jaguars." It's going to be a bad idea, but. Like I said, it is what it is. I'm going to enjoy the game with if we win or lose. I still believe that we're going to we're going to win some games for these. La- we're going to win a couple games for these six games. 
there's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some playoff spoils. There's going to be some seeding spoils, possibly. But that being said, my game ball or my score prediction is 24 to 10, Jacksonville. So I'll do the inverted order. So I'll go and start off with my score prediction and then I'll go into game ball prediction. Uh, as I already said earlier, when I was given when I was beginning my rant with keys to the game, wrong opponent, wrong time. Um, if Joe Burrow was healthy, obviously I would feel a hell of a lot better about this game, especially yeah. because I think that we will be trending in a much more positive and upward direction of winning games, particularly against both Baltimore and Pittsburgh, after dropping one against Houston, which we could have won that game too. So. But that's not that's not what you have right now. And quite frankly, you can't make any excuses because there are adversity that strikes across every team in the NFL. And right now we're just going through the adversity card. So we have to deal with it. Um, I think that there's too many mismatches on offense for me to predict the Bengals upset here. But do I think it could happen? Absolutely. Again, there's always a pathway, no matter how great of a team you are on one end to the other team on the other end. That's not as good. The Bengals are not a bad team. They're still a willing capable winning roster that can win football games even at opportune times like this one so i will predict that the Bengals lose this game but i don't think there's going to be as bad of a like a dominating demoralizing effort like i think it was going to be <laughs> at the beginning of this show so i'm going to predict that I like the 24 to 10 prediction score that you give but i'm not going to copy that what i'm going to do is i'm going to think that the Bengals are going to say I think they get a few tutties in there. Um, I'm going to say 27, 27 to 19. Maybe Jacksonville gets 30, but 27 to 19 is where I'll end it for the score prediction. Um, I won't be surprised if they make it closer because I do think that the Bengals do play well against other teams that are going into that finesse category. And I think Jacksonville is one of those teams. Buffalo is a finesse team more you know, stylistically, same with Kansas yeah. City. They're historically a finesse team with the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid era. Um, but for some reason, we just struggle against teams in our own division this year. And that's because we're not good at stopping the run. And those three teams know how to run the ball really well yeah. or play physical smash mouth football without necessarily running the ball, but play great defense. We don't seem to have an answer for teams within our own division. Jacksonville is not in our division, but they have already won a game in our division going against. <laughs> Uh, Pittsburgh and beating them, but that's not really telling me much. That Pittsburgh is not the measure stick of the AFC North this season at all. But I do think the Bengals could make it interesting. However, I'm not predicting them to win. But here's how I think you can make it interesting. So I'm gonna get into my game ball. So I'll start on offense. Um, Did you say your score was game, again? Uh, 27 and 19. Yeah, get that jotted down for me so I can eat crow later if I get it wrong <laughs> when we do our reaction show. <laughs> uh, but let's see. Um, so our offense, game ball, I think that I like the Joe Mixon selection, but I'm not, again, no uh, general rule of the thumb, I don't want to copy a prediction even though it may seem obvious because I do I do want to go with Joe Mixon. But then instead, go with Joe Mixon. actually, you know what? I'm actually going to go with Jake Browning. 
I think Jake Browning is going to grow a little bit. He's going to watch the film. He's going to feel Joe Burrow's presence and his eyes on him to tell him that, look, I got to be better because this is unacceptable. I don't want to let my number one quarterback down. And I think that he may play better than what people give him credit for. He didn't look horrible against Pittsburgh. He just made no. some mental errors and just holding on to the ball too long. He made some yeah. good throws. He made a nice little Jake Feisty-like move when he got escaped out of a, a would-be sack against – I think yeah. it was Cam Hayward or whatnot, and then threw the ball to Trenton Irwin before and getting a roughing the passer penalty tacked on for the extra yards from TJ Dirty Watt there. Um, yeah. So I, he, he's willingly capable of making plays out of structure if you need him to. And I think this is a good game for him to be very opportunistic with that. So I'm predicting Jake Browning gets my game ball. Now, if he throws two or three picks, then it's all we already okay. That was stupid. Cut the tape. We ain't going to look at that no more. <laughs> but I'll go with that as an out of the box prediction for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake. I don't mean to. I don't mean to res on you, but I'm trying to have faith in you, bro, because I think that you can help us manufacture some wins. Um, now defense. This one gets tougher for me because again, I, I get we. I feel like it is an element of the coaching staff on the defense side of the ball, Coach Lou, the players, it just seemed like that the scheme has gotten outplayed, not because the players are bad at all. We got good players on our defense side of the ball. We know this. But I think that the scheme is starting to have gotten figured out, and I don't think they've made any adjustments to counter the adjustment that is made against them. So it's going to be tougher for me. I'm not going to stick with the old age saying, oh, Trey Henderson, even though I do think that he has two sacks in him to get. He has a perfect opportunity yeah. with their left tackle being out, Cam Robinson, if I'm not mistaken. But also what yep. I've learned to know about this team, especially on defense, that they don't take advantage of the opportunities when they have an overwhelming uh, mismatch difference that they have the advantage on. And yet they, they don't really take advantage of it all the time. So I'm not going to predict Trey Henderson gets my defensive game ball. However, if he goes out and gets four sacks, I'm going to eat crow later. And I'll be okay to eat crow on that one because I love Trey. Instead of I'm actually going to go with DJ Turner having a better game, a bounce back game. Look, he's got to go through his growing pains, man. He does. Cam Taylor Britt's going to be back in the fold. That should help him out. But he has to play better football. It happens to every rookie. We were saying the same thing about CTB last year, you know, but we mm -hmm. saw the potential of what he can grow into. And then by season's end, going to the playoffs, Cam Taylor Britt became exactly that. CJ, DJ Turner, Juan Drago Turner, the second, because I know that he's <laughs> he's a junior. Uh, DJ Turner has shown flashes of potential, but I think what has happened was that we have overhyped him so much because we've we've liked his skills. He's played good football. It's just yeah. unfortunately you got it. You you had to go through your your bruises a bit in that previous game. You got beat up quite a bit, but you still. I didn't see him quit on any plays. I I didn't see him give up. You know, and just be like, all right, I got beat, man. I'm, I'm, I'm like, he wasn't out of it. He was still in there making tackles to the end, even if it was on pass plays that he got clearly beat on. Again, yeah. the Deontay Johnson touchdown was ruled incomplete, even though I thought it was going to be ruled a touchdown. But that was because DJ Turner did not give up on that play. And I feel like that he's going to carry that mental toughness with them in the, this upcoming Monday night game and play better. He might get, he might get a turnover. He did actually recover a fumble, even though I think that was kind of a, a fortunate lucky fumble 
that Zach uh, Zach Carter had forced. But regardless, man, a turnover is a turnover, and he still yeah. was aware enough to pick it up and scoop it, take advantage of Deontay Johnson, who did nothing on that play, mm -hmm. and give us the ball and really with real good field position. So he's going to be the guy that I'm going to give the defensive game uh, game ball to. So those are our predictions. So before we wrap this up, Tim, because I know we're nearing in the hour mark of the show. It's been a great episode here with you. I understand yes, my boy B, our boy B there couldn't be with us today. Uh, he he's handling some business, but we we got him covered today. Do you have any parting shots before we call it a night? Yeah, I'm gonna be short and sweet because we're coming up on that hour mark. Always remember the AFC North; they are built to beat Joe Burrow. Who day? Have a great week. And even though the AFC North right now is built to beat Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is still great enough to overcome that and beat them. And yeah. I'll end it on that note. Fans, thank you so much for jockeying with us today. I said jockeying. That was stupid. Thank you so much for joining us today. I don't know where I was going with that, by the way. It sounded cool in my head as I was saying it, but it is what it is, man. But to all our listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us joining us today as we now provide you with another episode of run through the jungle please like comment subscribe share you know across all platforms we're always available um you got our boy chase Yance who's on the cut to the chase podcast doing great things over there you'll hear our raw reaction show we'll join you immediately after the game maybe not immediately because it's going on monday night but tuesday we, we're going to rejoin you <laughs> Waking up refreshed, whether we're going to be mad as hell off of a loss or just calm and decompress, whatever the case may be, you're still going to get us with our rural reactions and hear us out. So we appreciate you. Have a good one, team. Let's go.